Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Pop Anime Comics Lounge, where I have with me professional wrestler Zoe Sky, who has wrestled for various promotions, including Mega Championship Wrestling, Pro Wrestling Rampage, Real Action Pro Wrestling, Rise Wrestling, and Shimmer, to name a few. So thank you for being on the podcast. No problem. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to have you on. And now, you've been wrestling for over 10 years as you made your debut in 2007. And I think this is the perfect place to start. How did you initially get introduced to wrestling? Obviously, when I grew up, I loved the Attitude Area. I loved pro wrestling. I watched it religiously on TV. But I knew nothing about indie wrestling. And I've explained this to a lot of people before. So getting into wrestling, all I knew was I wanted to go to, at the time, OVW or somewhere to train to wrestle. I had no idea what I was getting into. And I found Cleveland All Pro Wrestling, where I actually started training. They were running events on TV. And they had all their website info and training info on there. So I just happened to check it out, go online. And I contacted JT Lightning and started training. Now you come into this promotion, you're a big fan of wrestling. What was it like walking through the doors of all Cleveland pro wrestling for the first time and starting to train? It was very intimidating. Even though I had just gotten out of basic combat training through the military, so I kind of went in with the idea of discipline and respect. I knew just to keep my mouth shut and my ears open, and literally training that way was the best attitude to have going in. JT and Johnny Gargano and the other guys that were helping out at the time, these guys just jumped right in and didn't have any issues whatsoever with just helping somebody who wanted to get in. By all means, couldn't have walked into a better training facility, especially at the time, not knowing anything or anyone. For as intimidated as I was, I definitely went to a good school and was happy with the outcome. And now you said you just came from basic military training. How did that really translate over into the wrestling ring and your training and being so green to the industry? In a small way, I guess it did. Just like going into basic training, I had no idea what I was getting into. But like I said, I guess the idea of going in with your mouth shut and your ears open is the best mentality to have because there's so much to learn and there's so much to grasp that even day one of training, you're trying to shuffle around and remember little things and keep in mind what to do to protect yourself and save yourself in the long run just like going into basic training is you just want to grasp every concept to make sure that you're prepared for anything and now i'm very curious how your training was broken up between the physical and psychological aspects you got a mix of both at any given time during training. Everything was blended together while kept separate. You had to pay attention to what went where. So the physical aspect, you had to pay attention to little things psychology-wise was in there as well. You may not have caught on immediately, but once things get replayed in your head over and over again, you kind of understand how to protect yourself and how to protect another person while still keeping that psychology all in there at the same time. Now, one of your trainers who you just mentioned, and we got to talk about him, Johnny Gargano, Mr. Wrestling. What did you gain from him in him training you that has helped you for the 10 years plus that you've been involved in the industry? When I first started training, he was still training himself. And at the same time, he was taking over the class and starting to train for JT. Even at that age, at 18, going on 19 years old, he was steps above anybody at that age and at that time going to events and not realizing where he was and who he was until watching him perform on a show you could tell that literally he has heart and soul in wrestling and he did anything and everything he could to get better and with that came training and he wanted to help any of the trainees and any of his friends in any way that he could to help them get better and to help them grasp a future for themselves in the business and now I want to really start diving into your career because you've had a fantastic career and it's still going strong. 
And you started in June of 2007 in Cleveland All Pro Wrestling, where you trained. And your first match was against the very large and terrifying Jessica Havoc. How did this match come about, and what was it like facing her? considering your size difference. That was actually not my first match. That was my first match for Cleveland All-Pro. But regardless, it was very intimidating. I had never seen or met Jessica Havoc before, and I didn't even realize I was on the show, I believe. I don't think I was told that I was booked for sure. When I got there, I was thrown into a gauntlet match for Jessica. But Jessica then and now has been someone to help me. She was very hands-on and very respectful. And even though that size difference was there, she knew how to make me look like a million bucks in my first handful of matches. That size difference has played on over and over again in the last 10 years of my career that it's almost a normal thing for me. It's hard for me to find anybody relatively close to my size. So I guess to start with that battle head on very early in my career was just helping things unfold and prepare me for the future. And during this first year, Jessica Havoc is obviously a big name out of the Midwest, and you faced several others, including Madison Rain for the OCW women's title, as well as Sassy Steffi and Nevea, to name a few. What was it like wrestling these women who have started in Ohio and have branched outward? I don't pay as much attention, especially then I didn't know any better, as to who these women were, where they were from, how long they had been around, where they trained, any of their accolades, any of their past and present accolades. It was amazing to me how few women were around, but at the same time, how many were. And all of these girls, like you said, Nevea, Madison Rain, even at the time when they were all still earlier on in their careers as well, not quite as early as me, they knew what they were getting into. They knew what they were doing. They knew how to have the look and the appearance to draw attention, but they also knew how to perform in the ring. And they were, and they still are very, very talented. They are amongst the top, as far as I'm concerned, anywhere in the country. Even though Nevea is hurt right now, that girl can go with anybody. She is so good. It's great to see Madison Rain. She's looking just as great as always. Jessica Havoc isn't in the Midwest as much anymore, but no matter where she goes, she's doing a great, great job. Sassy Steph, I don't get to see her, but her and I feuded for the first two, three years of our careers. Both of us, we probably saw each other at least three times a week at various events and various shows and we just constantly just battling each other all the time it was great to actually be able to say we got to step in the ring with the nevea or madison rain because it was always the two of us constantly and now i want to talk about that but i want to touch on something that's a little bit more fun before we dive into that <laughs> heated fiery redhead rivalry and that's your miniature rivalry with Sean Blaze. There was a few matches. Then you had two matches that were quite interesting. One where it was your hair versus wearing a dress. And then there was the loser wears a dress match. How did both of those matches come about? I don't even know. At this point, him and I have been in so many battles. It's been ridiculous. But he and I both started at Pro Wrestling Rampage at their first event. We both started out. They contacted both of us. And it just so happened that at the time, Sassy Steph wasn't working those shows. But her and I were the only two women at the time to really go in and out there so of course I was wrestling guys here and there so they threw me in the ring with Sean Blaze and the crowd was intrigued by the match the entire time it didn't matter what happened or who was doing what they just wanted to see he beat the hell out of Sean Blaze so the promoters liked it and things kept going from there and of course the fans wanted to see some kind of awe and embarrassment one way or another I think he may have challenged me to the if I lost to cut my hair so then it turned into fine but if you lose 
you have to wear a dress. And of course, he lost. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure he still wants to try and claim a victory over me. But I think we're well beyond that. I don't want to take a chance at losing my hair. But I feel like that couple of battles has happened multiple times. And I feel like every time the fans have come out to enjoy it for sure. And why do you think the fans and that rivalry clicks with them between the two of you? I think they enjoyed being able to see something different. That one particular one was in Pro Wrestling Rampage where they had this group of very talented guys and they had this one little girl and eventually Sassy Steph came in as well but they wanted to see what I could do even though I was still very young at the time and very young in my career they still were behind me which I've been lucky with I think nine years they've been running their promotion they are still behind me and I think that when they see that guy girl mentality where no matter what the outcome is they still believe that there's a chance that I'm going to be able to win and when they see me win it brings them to believe in me and, and be happy for me even more so if I keep myself invested in that so they keep themselves invested in me. And now I want to talk about the fiery redhead rivalry with Sassy Steph because she is a fantastic wrestler. So how did it start between the two of you? We've had so many battles throughout Ohio, Pennsylvania. I think it's gone out of Tennessee. We've traveled all over. It just so happened initially that we were both from the Ohio area, Northeast Ohio, Central Ohio. So we weren't very far. And of course, we were both still young. And as soon as people realized that there were not just one, one, but two females in the area, they wanted to book us both constantly. While we still had Madison Rain, we still had Nevaeh, they were much further away. And Jessica Havoc was making a name for herself and traveling everywhere at the time. So she wasn't nearly as available as we were. And once it happened one or two places, it just kept snowballing from there. And we were to the point where we were wrestling pretty much at least one time every weekend. And a lot of times we were booked three, four shows per weekend. So to be constantly in that battle, it began to get tiresome because it was just, we get to beat each other up again. Great. We were to the point where we weren't sure if we were going to be able to get better just wrestling each other. We needed to branch out and make a name for ourselves elsewhere. But while we were doing this feud, we were in a last woman standing match. I believe we were in no disqualification matches and no holds barred matches, all kinds of stuff. But both of us started careers at the same time, helping each other out. And with you two wrestling each other so much, how did you really prepare and continue to wow fans with what you were doing? We both realized we had to step out of our comfort zones. If we wanted to keep fans, no matter where the area was, no matter what state, what town, if we wanted to keep them invested in our matches, as well as promoters to keep booking us, we had to find new ways to impress the fans, the promoters, and ourselves at times. We knew we had to get better. And of course, she was working more with Nevaeh and Madison and going to training a little more often than I was so she had that mindset that she constantly had new ideas and new things one match she was hitting me with suplexes and this and that the next match it was all kinds of crazy spine busters and bigger moves stuff that she progressed her moveset as well as I did to where we had to inspire other people to be invested in our matches and now eventually this led to you getting two PWR ladies title shots with her What were those matches like and what was it like for you to really be in the title picture for one of the first times? I don't believe that they had the women's title that early. I can't remember. It's been so long now and there's so much going on now that I forget what happened before. But we did have big rivalries at one point over the title and it was something different. Even though it was the two of us, practically every show, we had to find ways to keep them invested in our matches and in what we were doing. I think that may have been one of the times we had some kind of stipulation to match to where maybe it was a no disqualification or something of that sort. I can't remember if it's been so long, but we've had to step this rivalry And Pro Wrestling Rampage was one of the first places to really let us go out there and just do whatever we please and find a way to keep the crowd invested and keep ourselves toppling things and being better than what we were. 
And then in 2009, Ecstasy came into the title picture, and the three of you had a triple threat match, which was won by her. How did that match come about, if you remember, and how did that open up opportunities for you? I do remember meeting Ecstasy at a different event in Ohio. I think it may have been one of her first matches, and I want to say Sassy Steffi was there as well. It was maybe a triple threat or a tag match or something of that sort. So that was my first encounter with Ecstasy, who later became Britney Force. She was traveling with one of the guys she was dating, and she actually came in pretty well. She trained well. She came in with talent and she helped compliment myself and Sassy stuff. And then of course, give the fans something completely different to see, even though it was still myself and Sassy stuff, they still got to see a third woman. So that kind of intrigued their interest back into the feud that we continued after that. And now you and Sassy Steph are fascinating because while you had this insane rivalry, you also teamed up and you won the tag team titles in Pro Wrestling Rampage. How did that teaming up occur and what was that like teaming up with somebody that you're rivaling against on and off? I think it was a benefit to us that we took a step back and realized that we're just going to keep beating each other up. It's not going to do anything for the both of us. Eventually, no matter how much you like or hate someone, when you're stuck in the ring with them on a constant basis, you get a good feel for who they are and what they can do. So it only made sense for her and I to start tagging in a way complimented each other because we knew each other's style at that point so well because we had constantly been in the ring before. It just so happened that once we started tagging again, there weren't very many females. So they gave us a chance at wrestling with the guys and winning the tag titles. And in your opinion, how does tag team wrestling differ than singles wrestling? Significantly. Obviously, there's more bodies in the ring. While considered easier to most wrestlers, it's more difficult. Difficult. You have to be able to pay more attention to referee counts and where the other person is on the other team, as well as your partner. You have to keep accountability of where each other is and helping each other out. You don't want to go into a tag match thinking for yourself, you'll never win that way. I've grown to really enjoy tag matches when I've had good tag partners. Like with Sassy Steph and I, we complimented each other because we are so used to each other's styles. We could help each other out. There's been a few times here and there where I've had a tag with Sean Blaze, and I am to the point where I knew what he was doing before he even did it. Once you get to know somebody and you start tagging tag team wrestling is so good it's very fun to watch as long as it's done right just as well as singles matches but there's more opportunity to perform well with more people in the ring more options and more things that you can do i guess so to speak for me i don't have a preference on either one but i enjoy both as long as i'm tagging with the right person i don't mind tagging at all and now there's one match that i want to talk about with these tag teams which was against aaron gibbs and ethan price what was it like wrestling the guys that's probably a terrible match to choose from not one of my favorites i was still very young and i felt very taken advantage of in that match that's all i'll say about that it is still talked about very much in the pro wrestling ring page locker room every once in a while somebody will get a nice little chuckle out of making a little crack about that match i wrestled them twice because i wrestled a match where i tagged with hobo joe against them but that tag match with sassy steph and i it's hard one guy is seven foot tall and the other guy he might not be nearly as tall but he's a big guy like it doesn't make a difference and there's little sassy Steph and little the time angel dust and there's no preparing for something that especially that early in our careers we were told hey this is your match and we looked at each other and said I don't know what we're gonna do but we found a way and we won that match and won the tag team titles and now eventually you lost the tag team titles with sassy Steph but that opened up an opportunity for you to capture your first pro wrestling ladies title how did this opportunity come about when did it come about and what was it like to really capture your first major title I don't fully remember, but I do remember that at the time Sassy Steph and I tagging and other promotions invested in us and invested in me in other ways, they must have saw something in me that they decided to put me in that opportunity 
to get a title match, let alone actually win a title. Being that young in my career, it's still a shock to think that anybody put that much effort into thinking that I was deserving of anything. And even now, I still second guess opportunities that I get, how I deserve them over so many others or how I gain them over so many others. But I feel like I've stayed very humble and very appreciative of anyone or anything. So when those opportunities come, I obviously make the best of them. For Pro Wrestling Rampage and any place else thereafter or before, I always tried to make the best of any situation no matter the good or the bad when it comes to title opportunities however they may come to be whether it's just hey we're going to give you this title match make the best of it kind of thing to where like we can see something in her and we want to see her do something more and whether I get another title chance or whatever the case may be I feel promoters and the fans can respect and appreciate what I bust my ass for and go ahead and just give me opportunities to stand behind me and how do you feel when you get this opportunity and what type of pressures do you deal with with being the champion for a promotion? Even as a female holding the women's title, it might not be the promotion's number one main title for these intergender promotions that run guys and girls matches and so forth. Obviously, the opportunity for a title match puts you in a position to where somebody sees something in you, whether that be your talent, your attitude, whatever the case may be. But to go ahead and win a title and to be able to carry that title for a promotion, that makes me feel like they can trust me. They can invest in me like I've invested in them over the years. Pro Wrestling Rampage, I've been wrestling with them going on nine years now. I think November is their nine-year anniversary, and I just lost their women's title a month ago. I'm getting another title match this weekend. For them to keep me coming back to their event, as long as I have means that they support me and they can trust me. So if they put a title on me as well, means that they are fully invested in me and fully trust me to go out there and give the fans everything that they want. And obviously WWE has their women's revolution. Do you feel that when you're in an event and you're holding the belt that you're a role model to women to come into professional wrestling? whether it's on the indies or in some other capacity? In some way, yes, especially when it comes to kids. Little girls always come up to me, always wanting hugs and high fives and want to tell me how much I inspire them. And I don't even realize that I do it until these kids come up to me and tell me. And these young teens and these young girls in their 20s, they constantly come up to me and tell me how much they idolize me and so forth. At one time, I was just like them. I was growing up watching something that I loved, looking for somebody to look up to and to invest my time in. And they turn around and tell me how much they love me and they come to the shows to see me and want to talk to me and want my autograph that just means that I'm giving them what I looked for when I was younger and that makes me feel happy that I'm able to give back in a way and now I want to talk about another title the absolute insane wrestling women's title How did this all come about? This was going on almost eight years ago or so now. I don't even know how it came to be. I know at the time, myself, Haley Hatred, I wanted to say Jessica Havoc, those two were more regulars for AIW. And I was just coming around and and coming in play. I think Haley Hatred had lost the title to Jefferson Saint, who was doing the Women's Wrestling Champion of the World moniker there. And he had the women's title. I'm not even sure how it came to be. I don't know if somebody just thought it was funny, if somebody just said, hey there's this local girl let's give her a chance but I remember going to AIW and being nervous as could be because I didn't know anybody with the exception of maybe a handful of the guys I didn't know anybody I didn't know this guy I was wrestling I didn't know anything that was going on 
and this feud he and I had, but the feud finished in false count anywhere, something of that sort. And the fact that I won that title over a guy in a grueling match that we had made me feel I was getting somewhere in the business, even though I was still so young. And even though I don't wrestle for AIW as much as I did then, that was one of those places that I always enjoy going. The crowd is always appreciative of anything. They let you know what they like, what they don't like. But at the same time, when they like you and they like what you're doing, they give you everything. It's like we give them everything. That match, I have scars. I remember a lot of things from that match. And I actually enjoy going back to find little clips on YouTube to make sure I go back and see. The one thing I don't like was my attire and my hair. But everybody changes over the years, I guess. But that was one of those matches that I definitely grew to like more and more because of the entire premise behind it. At the time, intergender wrestling was not popular at all. And AIW was taking the jump out of the gun for it and wanted to take advantage of it with Haley Hatred. Her feuds with John Thorne were ridiculous. I want to say Jessica Havoc was beating up guys like crazy. And I was still young, so I can't remember everything. But that match with Jefferson Saint was one of those matches that I definitely hold near and dear to my heart. I appreciate having that opportunity. And now you mentioned hair and attire. How important is hair and attire when you go out <laughs> to go into the square circle? Clearly, it is very important. I look at the difference I've made in the last 10 years. I cringe looking at my own old photos. I've always been a big tomboy. I've always been very standoffish about what I wear and how I'm dressed. I've always hated people judging my appearance. Even when I was in high school, I wore loose t-shirts and baggy pants. I still wear loose t-shirts and guys' basketball shorts to the gym. It's my comfort thing. My first handful of of matches I did not realize how quickly they were going to come in to play. I had no time to get gear made. I wrestled in athletic running shorts and an athletic style tank top. I had wrestling shoes, knee pads, and kick pads at the time. Oh no, I don't even think I had kick pads at my first couple matches. But then I realized that, okay, I need to try and find some kind of tights or something. So I wanted to be feminine and wearing shorter shorts and so forth, but I just wasn't comfortable. I started wearing the long mid-length tights and a long t-shirt, like a tank top style shirt. I never did makeup, hated doing makeup. I would brush my hair out and I would just go. That's how I was. My hair is always up. I never wear makeup unless I have to. But now I'm still very terrible at it, but I do makeup. I do my hair. I don't wear the baggy pants and the baggy clothes. I do prefer long tights now, but I don't mind showing my stomach. And I've always had a very negative feel in the way that I looked. And it's actually taken wrestling over the years to really be more comfortable with my appearance and my style. And I've grown to be able to change that style up a little bit. As for the makeup and hair, I'm, I'm trying to get better with it, but it's a progression over the years. So here we are. And I want to touch upon that because I think that's actually extremely interesting. How do you really determine your comfort level and how much control do you have over where you feel comfortable and what to wear and do makeup and hair versus a promotion telling you what to do? For the most part, I've never really been told what I had to wear or what not to wear necessarily. Every once in a while, some custom matches would I have to wear something specific, but I've always been able to wear what I wanted. I just tested things for a while. I even tried to wear trunks at one point, and that was probably the worst decision I ever made. I've wore boots for a couple months, but I run around so much that I tore the soles off the bottom of the shoes, so I'm back to wearing wrestling shoes and kick pads. Nobody's really told me, hey, don't wear that you should probably wear this or try this. I've had suggestions. Girls are saying this would look good with your body figure or hair and makeup. Try this with your hair. Maybe do this with your makeup. You know, little tips and hints kind of thing. But nobody's really told me, hey, don't do that. Don't wear that. You're not allowed to. I've never really had a conflict in any interest in that. 
And now, getting back to the AIW women's title picture, there's a particular match, and a few matches I want to talk about, involving you and Jessica Havoc, which resulted in her winning the title, beating you for the title, and the two of you had a first blood match. What was that like, going into that match, and how did that all come about? And what was your mentality going into that match, because it's kind of unusual when we see one of those Uh in wrestling in general, let alone with women. AIW is always good for stepping out of the box. I don't remember exactly how it became, but of course, when new opportunities arise, you can't always shut everything down or else you're not going to get anywhere. If I would have said, no, I didn't want to wrestle a guy for the women's title, what would that have gotten me? It wouldn't have got me that match with him. It wouldn't have got me a title. It wouldn't have got me anywhere in AIW. And the match with him and the matches with Jess, those helped me really step out and stand out in the wrestling community, especially between Ohio, Pennsylvania, before it was really big to pay attention to social media on the internet at that time that was a little further in than my first match with jessica while i was still super nervous because i'd never been in a situation like that the closest thing being was with jefferson saint but still completely different and at the time i knew a lot more about jess than i had in the previous matches and the first match i had with her but i still had no idea what to expect i was nervous i didn't know what to do i didn't know how to react But I knew I wasn't going to turn out that opportunity because I felt like I had something to prove. That crowd, once you give them something small to invest in, they will take the time to give you any and all feedback. That entire match, they were into everything in any match that we had. But that first blood match, we fought around the building. They were into everything that we did. And no matter the outcome, win or lose, which you know the outcome, it was definitely worth taking the risk in that style of a match with that kind of uh, finish, I guess, with the end result being somebody was going to end up a bruised, bloodied mess. It was definitely something that even looking back now, I wish there had been some things that changed, but I wouldn't have changed that match or that opportunity by any means at all, especially not with Jessica Havoc. And now to talk about Jessica Havoc, who is part of the Midwest Militia, Sassy's Death is part of the Midwest Militia, Sienna, Allison Kay is part of the Midwest Militia, and outside of a lot of your title matches and for most of your matches in 2011, you wrestled the three of them, either tagging with one of them against the other, or in some formation without really the Midwest Militia title assigned to them. What was it like wrestling these women constantly throughout all 2011, considering they have gotten outside of Ohio and made it to a really big stage? With Steph, like I said, at that point, that had probably been going on three, four or five years of us consistently seeing each other. With Jess being booked on more shows with her and more matches with her, changed things up. And of course, with Allison K. Sienna, she was newer to the area, just at a, a little change of pace. The first match that I had with her, I think, was before the Midwest Militia had formed, which I am a little upset I was never invited to be a part of that. I am from Ohio as well, but that's for another story. But my first match with Allison K with Sienna was for AIW. I think they had like a little spot show in Sandusky. It wasn't one of their normal shows. I don't even know if the footage exists. That would be one thing that I'd have to find out. It was the first time I had met her. I didn't know anything about her. The building was like a bar. It was very small. There wasn't a lot of room. But the match went all right. It was the first time of us being in the ring together. It was just the drunk, crazy crowd. So we really didn't have to kill ourselves to entertain them. But I'm sure we did. It's been a little while now, so I don't completely remember. But I have been in matches with Jessica and Allison K when they tag together. I've been in a few singles matches with both of them. Obviously, a ton of singles matches, triple threats, and whatever else with Sassy Steph. While it was all repetitious because I've wrestled with that group often enough, it also 
made a nice little change. Everybody was stepping up their games. Everybody was trying to get better and trying to get more well-known and travel outside of that same span of the Ohio, Pennsylvania, Michigan area that it made me as well to step up my game and want to be better and perform better, whether it was with the three of them or with anybody. I've learned so much from all three of them. Jessica and Sassy stuff, I've wrestled probably a hundred times a piece. Maybe not so much with Allison Kay, but even just being in a locker room with her, you can learn from her. You don't have to be in a match with her. All of those girls are so talented. And even now over the years, they've gotten better and better, which is hard to believe with how good they had gotten back then, how much better they've gotten over the years. Even though it seems like it gets a little tiresome for the four of us to be on shows here and there together fairly constantly, it's nice to be able to have that fan base that realize what's going on, what group of women they have in the area and what kind of talent they get to see on a regular basis. Even though it's a repetitious thing in a way, they get to see good, talented wrestling. And that's before Women's Revolution even started. And all of us are still here performing on a regular basis or fairly regular basis that we're still trying to get better and still trying to improve and impress. And now as much as I love talking about the four of you, I want to focus on something that's a lot more recent, which is you tag teaming with the bouncer to form hashtag zombie killers which I'm a fan of, Killing Zombies. So how did this team form up? We were running events out in a little bar on Tuesday nights for the longest time. I can't even give you dates. The bar flooded and we had to move to a new area. So they started running events. At the time, it was Real Action Wrestling. It was raw. When it moved to Youngstown, it turned into Real Action Pro Wrestling. And Bouncer and I have always gotten along. We had a little faction called The Family. Him, I, and, and at some point, there may have been like six people in the group. At all given times, there were at least four of us. And we've always had the same mentality when it came to wrestling. We wanted to impress the crowd, but we wanted to make every match the best match we could. I think we just started tagging at a couple of events because there were no tag teams. And I think we needed a tag team, and he and I were there. So we started tagging, and we kept it going. I think it was his suggestion to be hashtag zombie killers and i was fine with it i said let's go with it we got somewhat matching gear and did some fun stuff and we tagged for a couple of years it was while intergender wrestling was becoming more of a consistent thing but to have a guy and girl tag at least through some areas wasn't as common at least not in northeast ohio wasn't nearly as common as you know other states and other areas intergender tag teams have formed all over the place around locally because there were more limited female wrestlers that was even less of a commodity was intergender tag team matches and he and i just started tagging and it worked. We started tagging a couple other places. Mega Championship Wrestling, we tagged a couple of times. Pro Wrestling Rampage. It just worked. We both wanted to make each other best wrestlers we could. So tagging together, we helped each other and we helped other people. We knew what a crowd wanted. We gave them what they wanted. And you faced some interesting teams during these few years. I don't know exactly the complete timeline, but you faced the Metrosexual Space Warriors, which is an awesome name to say because I don't ever get to great. say those <laughs> words all in a row. The Condemned, the new LA Guns, and the Bearded Dragons, which is also a fantastic tag team name. So how do you feel about these tag team names and facing them, more importantly? Tag team names are always entertaining to me. I love when people can come up with some kind of catchy little fun, quirky names. And all the names you mentioned were definitely good ones to add to that list. But like we talked about before, when I first started, I was wrestling guys and I was wrestling girls who were significantly larger than I was. And here I was tagging with the bouncer in that same boat where I was wrestling guys who were six foot eight and a 
couple hundred pounds when I'm barely pushing 100 pounds. It's something that you have to get used to. And, and of course, it's convenient that I have a tag partner because then at least I have somebody to kind of help with that size difference. But I always enjoyed getting a chance to tag with the bouncer and with the names you mentioned and amongst others. Every once in a while, we'll still throw a match in there where he and I will tag and go back to the retro hashtag zombie killers. But like you said, that group that you mentioned amongst plenty of others that we've gotten to tag against, it was a fun little period of time where I really enjoyed tag team wrestling a lot. And around this same time, I kind of want to back out of tag team wrestling, but around this same time, you also were facing some of the best women in the industry, including the Dollhouse, Mia Yim and Marty Bell, Solo Darling, Samantha Heights, Jesse Smothers, Mary Dobinson, and Mickey Knuckles, to name a few. How do you feel about this influx of competition that really came out of nowhere and is arguably some of the best in female wrestling in the world right now. I couldn't be more happy with being able to get the opportunity to work with those girls. All of them that you've mentioned are either someplace big where the dollhouse with TNA, with Crazy Mary Dobson now in NXT, Samantha Heights is going places. That girl is so good. While I'm super happy to have those opportunities, there are times where I feel either A, I'm not ready for them, I don't deserve to wrestle with girls who've been around because of where I've been, but at the same time, I want to wrestle girls like that. I feel like I do deserve those opportunities. I've wrestled Crazy Mary Dobson very early in her career, and actually I was her second to last match before she left for NXT, and she grew leaps and bounds better anytime I saw her. She just got so much better. Mia Yim, I've had very limited interaction. I've had a triple threat match with her first into my career, first into hers as well. And from that match to wrestling with her in a tag match about three years ago or so, again, leaps and bounds better. She has such a good attitude. She deserves to go so many places. I'm glad she got to be in the May Young Classic. Same thing with Marty Bell. I love Marty Bell. I don't care how much she wants to kick me in the face. I always appreciate what she does in the ring. That list of girls you gave was a very good list. And of course, you can include Jessica Havoc. You can include Sassy Steph. She doesn't get as much notability that she deserves and of course Allison Kay all of those girls have grown over the years and I got to see a lot of them grow they either came in just before just after I did or since then and they've gotten so much better there's still a good little list of girls who I'd love to get an opportunity to step in the ring with but that list in itself all those girls deserve to be top names on any promotion going anywhere in this country in this world at this point and while facing all of these women and around the same time you were involved in a feud with Renee Michelle that involved Mick Foley in National Wrestling League for their women's title. What is the story behind that? I was still newer to the NWL. I was wrestling for them every couple of events. The first show I went, I won their women's title. But Mick Foley was initially meant to be the referee, from my understanding, but then became the special guest enforcer. He stood outside the ring. And of course, I had the bouncer with me. He was my manager. Renee and I went probably a nice, solid little match. After the match, I don't remember how I won, but Mick Foley and Renee both decided to pull out a Mr. Sacco on both the bouncer and I. Maybe not one of the highlights my career, but at the same time, definitely a very fun time in my career, for sure. That event with Mick Foley was something different, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Another title, and I'm confused on this one, so maybe you can clarify it for me, is the Mega Fighting Spirit title involving you and Jocelyn Navarro and Kelly Klein, how that all played out, because that's a very confusing entity, and they followed me on Twitter, so I'm obligated to cover it. 
the little bit of confusion came over a span of a few months. I initially won the title and turned it into the Fighting Spirit Women's Championship. So once I won that title, we turned it into the women's belt. We still call it the Fighting Spirit, but it was a women's title. They started bringing in Kelly Klein and a couple of other girls, but eventually Jocelyn Navarro came out of training through Mega, started getting into the feuds with Kelly Klein and I. Kelly Klein had won the title and with her busyness with Ring of Honor and Women of Honor, she was constantly unavailable for events and unable to defend her title because of that. So at one point, the belt became vacant because she could not defend it within so many days or so many events or whatever the promotion laid it out as. So there was an event that we had a triple threat main event where we both double pinned Kelly Klein and I think even after that I was even kind of confused I don't think it was considered us being co-champions as much as it was still a vacant title so it was not long after that that her and I started feuding for the then vacant title so then it became back to being my title I believe I think I won it right after that once we beat Kelly Klein like that double pin situation it became vacant again or maybe that was how it became vacant whatever the case may be and then we wrestled for the title to actually name a champion and how do you feel that that match played out between the two of you Jocelyn is still very young in the business, but over the last year and a half, almost two years or so, I think now for her, she has grown to get better. Anytime we step in the ring, I don't know what to expect from her. She has progressed enough to where she has changed her style and her moveset and so forth that it's hard to study a competitor who you can't follow consistently. We've had our matches here and there. Once I lost the title to her, I kind of got lost in the shuffle. I was busy with other bookings or didn't get a title shot or whatever the case may be. But even seeing her on a few events outside of mega championship wrestling you can see how much she's grown as a female wrestler she's gotten better and i feel like our matches from here on out will just be something more that fans will be into and want to see more and more again and now the final promotion and we didn't cover everything i'm well aware of that everybody but the final promotion i want to talk about is rise which is a newer promotion so how did you become involved in rise it was thrown out as uh, kind of a shimmer sister promotion, so to speak. Kevin Harvey went ahead and did an all-female training seminar. First seminar being with Soraya Knight and Colt Cabana in Chicago, Illinois. And it looked like two people who, even 10 years in this business, I would love to train with and learn from. So after seeing the post about signing up for this seminar and everything else, and I've debated on it for a couple of weeks, and I finally contacted Kevin, said that I was interested, and he sent me the inquiry sheet and everything. And as hesitant as I was about taking that opportunity to go out there, I knew it was going to be a loss. I had to pay for this seminar. I had to pay for my gas, my hotel, so forth. Thankfully, there were other fairly local ladies. We all rode out together for this seminar. And then we learned that it would be a training seminar all day to lead to an event for that night, Rise One. After that would be Shimmer Weekend. I had already had bookings for that weekend. So I knew I couldn't stay for the whole Shimmer Weekend, which shame on me. I should have known better and stuck around. But opportunities always come back if you're well enough placed for them. But I went ahead and jumped in on this seminar. And there was probably... Almost 40 females or so. So many girls who want to learn and get better and so forth. And I went in there with an attitude that stay humble and kind, keep your mouth shut, keep your ears open, learn, but impress. While Kevin kind of knew a little bit about me, 
and so did Dave Prezak. I knew that even though they may have heard of me or known me just a little bit, I still had something to prove to get booked onto that show and to possibly get booked for Shimmer. Kevin came up to me partway during the seminar and said that he was interested in using me for the show that evening, gave me the idea of what was going to happen, how many girls he had booked, and that I would be on the card. We finished up the seminar. I was told that I was third or fourth match, I think maybe fourth match on the show wrestling Araya Blake, a girl who I had never met, but just by seeing her in the seminar while she was young and still new to the business, she had a good head on her shoulders and she was trained well and she had a good attitude. We had a short match. I beat her. And then with that, I was put into the what would be the main event for the show. They called it a little tournament. They kept a little secret from all the girls the entire night that there would be a Phoenix of Rise championship. They announced right before the main event. So this little tournament that they had, the first four matches, the winner of the first four matches went on to the main event, which included myself, Kate Carney, Delilah Doom and then Britt Baker. But then the four of us were put into a fatal four-way match for the first ever Phoenix of Rise title, which I won, which I'm very grateful and was definitely, while a shock, was even after 10 years, a nice gesture of a way for me to feel like I've accomplished something. Like I said, after that, I was unavailable for the weekend. But from that first show with Rise, it has been nothing but positive things for me. I've been a part of the Shimmer tapings. I'm getting to go overseas with Rise. I'm getting to travel across the country with them. I feel like I took an opportunity that sounded really shady and really iffy and just decided to go ahead and go with it and see what happens. And I'm glad I did because that definitely became a very good opportunity and a very good last almost year now with them. And now to talk about Rise, because the one thing that I think everybody is looking at you with Rise is your matches with Shotzi Blackheart, which has become an extremely interesting rivalry, trying to win back your title. And one of the matches was a dog collar match, which is rather unusual. So how did this come about, and how do you feel that this rivalry developed, and how do you feel that it has all played out? Initially, there was interest on taking the title as a rise on the road where it would be a, a traveling defending champion. So I would defend this rise title for potentially other promotions with interest with other females. And with it, I think the first match, the rivalry came to AIW for one of their girls night out shows. I don't remember which number, but it was fairly recently. It was back in March of this year where Shotzi and I had our first match. The crowd wasn't used to my style, so to speak, my attitude and my agenda. But Shotzi won the title from that match. And at that point, I wanted to get it back. We went ahead and had this little rivalry just about everywhere except for Rise until that dog collar match. We wrestled in Pennsylvania at another show where she retained the title over me. And then back in Berwyn, had another show in there and then the dog collar match. And that was one of those matches I'd never obviously been a part of. I didn't know what to expect. And when it was brought up, it would be a stipulation match. The stipulation was kept a secret until less than a month out from the event, I believe. And once it was found out, it was kind of like, okay, how do I prepare for this? There's no real way to prepare for a match you've never been a part of before. You do your research on YouTube and so forth and you find some matches to look into and it's one of those things no matter what you watch or what you think you can expect, once you get in the ring you don't expect that. You have this heavy chain connected at you by your throat. It's inconvenient. It's in the way. It's just sitting there hanging. I'm pretty sure I had bruises up my legs and my arms. I didn't do anything besides try and wrap the chain out of the way. So the chain just bruised me up without even being hit by it, just by it swinging and being in the way. But that match, I feel like it gave Rise 
and the fans there a chance to see something different that they didn't expect. Shotzi is still fairly young in the business, has been around not too long, but all she does is train. She wants to get better. She's been booked consistently since the first Rise event back in November of last year. And regardless of having that title or not, she goes out there to win and impress. And she does a pretty good job at that. Not to say that, you know, I wouldn't want an opportunity that title again or to wrestle her again, but every so often you have to give things a break. And I feel like, you know, after that dog collar match, it's time for some separation. It's time for a break. There's not much more brutality we, we can get out of that. This is a win for anyone. And as being an older wrestler and going through various companies, and I would, I think it's safe to say, and please correct me if I'm wrong, that you're now wrestling younger women who are rather newer to the industry. So how do you feel seeing how the industry is changing and being able to be in more of an advice position and to help people improve when you wrestle them? I see how Sarah Del Rey felt when she first wrestled me at AIW. If I could be anything like she was to keep so level-headed and to be able to, to still make a good match out of something that wasn't that good. If I could do what she did, then I feel like I've accomplished something. Even though I've been wrestling for 10 years, it's not that I don't like giving advice, but I don't always feel like I'm obligated to. I feel like if I give advice, I have to be 100% right. And I don't want to tell these girls something that they may take back, that they may turn into something that isn't necessarily right. I don't want to tell them, hey, you should probably do your hair and makeup different when I don't do that. I don't want to feel like I'm telling them something that they can't learn from. I can tell them from previous experiences. Hey, this is what I did. Here's why it didn't work. Take it as you will, whether you want to try something different to help yourself or whatever the case may be. I still look to learn from everybody. Everybody trains different. Everybody learns something different. You can learn from anybody. There's girls who have been in business a year or two years. I do this and this. My trainer taught me how to do this. It's been a while since I've been in training. I didn't think of that. Now I'm learning something new. That's why I still do these Rise seminars. It's not just because I want to be booked on the Rise event or I want to be booked on Shimmer. I want to learn. I want to grow. The outcome of being on Rise and Shimmer is just a bonus to it. Learning from names like Soraya Knight and to learn from Cole Cabana, from Michael Elgin and Medusa. And I sat in an airport and learned so much from Mercedes Martinez. I'm so excited to be a part of this seminar and I hope that I have the time to be able to jump in and learn as well. I still learn from all these people. So what I learned from them, I like to pass down. The advice that I give is just, here's what worked for me. Here's what I suggest take it as you will. I don't feel like I've been around long enough to tell everybody, hey, you should do this and you shouldn't do this unless I know something completely wrong that they just weren't sure about. And then obviously we spoke for a while. We went through a lot of your career. We spoke about a lot of your rivalries. I think we just touched upon it. But what advice do you have for people who want to get involved in the wrestling industry? If you really want to train, you really want to be a professional wrestler, by all means, do what your heart desires, but find a true honest professional wrestling school go someplace and train and don't stop training that's one thing that i've gotten bad with over the years is i slacked a lot on going to training on a regular basis i'll hit up a school here a school there a seminar but i didn't stay training as often as i should and, and still should but be professional don't go and say hey i want to go do this and think that you can do it with an arrogant head try and be in some kind of shape put the effort into it think about what you see for these guys and girls on tv the look isn't just to be strong and muscular over the years, I feel better now because I work out and take care of my body than I did five and eight and 10 years ago. So take the time to invest in yourself, train in the gym and work out hard. Go find a good school where you can train and you can work out and you can learn. And don't be afraid once you graduate from your initial school to go on to other schools and learn from other people. Everybody trains different. Everybody has 
a different mindset on what they can teach and what they can provide for the wrestling community. If you're going to do it, do it the proper way. And of course, once you're in, get professional gear, look the part, find something that makes you different, makes you stand out. If you're going to break in, find a good school to train, ask around. Anybody can give you a, a good school to train, whether it's local, whether you have to move or whatever the case may be. There's places everywhere that are good and reliable. Find a good place and go there. And finally, do you have anything you'd like to promote? Facebook, Twitter, wrestling shows that you're going to be on the next week or two or in the future? Gear, merchandise, any of that? I actually just got new gear, so I'm excited to put that out. I have Facebook, Instagram, Zoe Sky Official. My Twitter is Zoe Sky Pro. The next couple of weeks, I'm staying pretty busy. Actually, the next couple of months, Pro Wrestling Rampage, I'm there pretty regularly. Mega Championship Wrestling, I'm there pretty regularly. I'll be in Shimmer in November. I got plenty of stuff coming up. Anything on social media will tell you where I am and where I'm going. I constantly post flyers and pictures and so forth. So anybody can follow me on those platforms and find out where I'm going to be and when I'm going to be there. As always, thank you for listening to this week's episode of the podcast. And we can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitch Radio, and anywhere else where you listen to your podcasts. And we do have a sponsor this week bringing you this week's episode, Audible. The best service to listen to your books on the go. I personally recommend JR's new book, Slobberknocker, My Life in Wrestling. I'm about halfway through the book. I am loving it. It is a wonderful story. It's going all throughout his career in wrestling. You got to read it. And you can do that for free with my link in the description. It allows you to sign up for Audible for 30 days, free trial, no money down, as well as you get to pick a free book. Again, JR's book is my book for this week. And if that's not your cup of tea... I completely understand. I also recommend you checking out my website, popanimecomics.com, for articles relating to anime and comics. New articles are going up each and every week, so definitely check it out. As well as you can follow us on the bird, and no, I am not giving you the finger. I am talking about Twitter. It's at popanimecomics. Definitely check it out. I tweet about new articles coming out, as well as podcasts coming out, and anything I find relevant in pop culture each and every week. So definitely follow us there. And until next time, everybody, have a wonderful week.